That's great. So Redding, California. Um, so yeah, we had our kids there. I've got two girls, um, Alyssa and Olivia. Sometimes you see them running around here helping. Um, 11 and 9. And um, I got my master's degree um, in spiritual formation. I went to seminary and graduated, which I can talk about what that means in a few minutes because a, a lot of times we don't know what that means, which is totally legit. Yeah. But, but yeah, helped plant a church there. And about two years ago, the Lord had moved us here. It was time to move on. To the glory land. <laughs> the motherland. The motherland. The promised land. Uh, the many lands. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Sarah, why don't you take the next little bit then and um, tell us about your story. How have you seen God at work in your story? If you can step back and kind of trace the way that God has wooed you more into relationship with him and the likeness of Jesus Christ. What's yeah. that looked like for you the past few years? Yeah. So before I even get into that, I I want to kind of preface this with um, even what I mean by transformational or spiritual formation, because I feel like that can that can mean a lot of different things. And so just to put it into perspective of what that means to me um, is really understanding that we were all made in the image of God. You may have heard the term imago Dei. Um, we are all made in the image of God, and that was marred right because of the fall. And a lot of times, like the analogy that I like to use um, is holiness not being perfection, but holiness being reflection, reflecting God, the Father, reflecting Jesus, who, whose image we were created in. Unfortunately, because of our brokenness and because of the fall, there's all these things in the way, right? Different masks that we put on that keep us from truly reflecting the Father, reflecting Jesus. And so when I talk about spiritual formation or transformation, that's really what I'm talking about is the process of kind of removing those barriers, those masks, those walls that keep us from truly reflecting the Father, from reflecting Jesus. So I hope that makes sense. Um, When, so like I said, got married in 99, um, when, I was, when, when we were first married, we had moved to a new area and started going to a church there that was actually pretty brand new. Um, one of the things that I started to realize quickly was that I was actually very uncomfortable sitting in church and not ever really knowing why. Um, it didn't make sense to me. I grew up in the church. It wasn't anything like that, but I just found that it was really hard just sitting there being myself. I didn't know how to connect well with people. I felt very awkward. Um, and I, I had no idea why. Um, so a little bit of backstory is um, when, when I was in high school, what I didn't realize at the time was um, I also had the same issue then but was coping through smoking a lot of pot. Um, I did, I did that a lot. Um, I did a few other drugs as well, but that was, that was my main choice. It was just, it was just what we did. Um, but looking back on it, I realized it was because it helped me to, in a sense, relax. Um, I mean, y'all know the stereotypical pothead, (laughs) right? He was just like, Hey man, you know, like that's, uh, you know, that's... (laughs) kind of what I was like, um, cause you could totally tell, right? No. Um, but yeah, it, it 
looking back on it, I realized it was because it helped me to not be so anxious, even though I didn't know that that's what it was. I didn't know that I was being anxious. I didn't know that I um, was uncomfortable in my own skin. This was just something that I did. This is something that my friends and I did. This is how we connected. This is how we hung out. Laughed a lot, obviously. Um, but it got to a point where after, after high school, the Lord made it clear that it was time to make a choice. Um, I could either keep doing what I was doing um, or I could begin to trust him and trust him for whatever. I had no frame of reference, no clue what was going on inside of me, but trust him for it. So um, I, it was kind of a no-brainer because I could see the dead end of, you know, where doing drugs all the time is going to lead you, and I clearly had more ambition than that. Um, so I was like, okay, Lord, like, I choose you. You know, I quit smoking pot. Um, I, quit, I quit everything at that point. Um, and then subsequently we got married and moved to a different town in the Bay Area. So it kind of made it easy for that clean break. Uh, but then here I was in this new place, um, not knowing how to just relax and be myself. So um, in the Lord's goodness and my awkwardness, he still does miracles and we still managed to, to make some friends there. Um, actually, some that we just spent Thanksgiving with um, just a few weeks ago that we're still friends with um, that have seen me through my entire transformation, which is huge. Um, which, again, like I said, that just tells me God does miracles. <laughs> um, but we moved to Reading, and what happened in Reading really was kind of the aha moment. And there were, there were two specific things that were really the aha moment. One of them was MySpace. <laughs> Please, does anyone? <laughs> okay, I got one. Yeah, Top I got eight, two. Baby. Top Woo! eight. All right, all right. I got a few people who remember what MySpace is. Okay. It's hilarious because you know what? God can use anything, anything, right? So all that to say, my friend was like, hey, you should do a MySpace page. I'm like, no, that's stupid. She's like, no, come on, do it. I was like, all right. So I put together MySpace page. Um, had Tom in my top eight, right? Who didn't? <laughs> um, and, uh, but what, what the Lord used was, I don't know if you remember, you, when your page loaded, you could have a song play, right? <laughs> You're taking us back. I, I love am, this. I am, I am. Mm. So, so the first aha moment came when I realized I had to pick one song that was going to represent me to every group in my life up to that point. So we're talking elementary school, junior high, I went to two different high schools, was in a church group, was obviously smoking pot friends group. Like the, it was this this huge span of my life and I had to pick one song to try to please them all. And it was it wrecked me. I'm like, come, I look back on it now and it's hysterical, right? That, that such a thing would wreck me, but it did. And God just used that to take the blinders off. The other thing that he used was, um, like I said, when we, when we got there, we ended up 
we ended up at a church where they then did a church plant out of this church. And we were a part of that. And so, and it, and it was actually a lot like what we do here. Um, a lot of, we were all young adults. We were all the same age. But for the first time in, you know, four years or so since I had, gra- four or five years since I had graduated high school, I was now around my peers again. So when we were at the church in the Bay Area, everyone was like five to ten years older than me. So there was a little bit of a disconnect, which helped me to get through that. But now all of a sudden, I'm surrounded by my peers, and I felt like I was thrust back into high school, yet we didn't smoke pot. So I didn't know how to connect with people, which was, which was it broke my heart. It was really sad to me because I've been a believer since I was five years old was when I accepted Christ. So it's not like, it's not like there wasn't a connection. I mean, these were my brothers and sisters, but... There was so much anxiety in me that I didn't know how to just be. I would sit there in church, and I wouldn't hear a thing because my mind was flooded with just these intrusive thoughts of, what are they thinking about me? Do I fit in? Is, it was just constant. It never ended. Um, and that was a huge—like, I would leave church exhausted— and that didn't make sense to me because um, you're supposed to leave church and be refreshed, right? And it was the complete opposite. Like there was moments where I would take breaks from going to church because I was so tired from the mental game that was going on inside of me when I would go. I mean, it was, it was as horrible as missing my husband, my husband's back being healed because I had to be home, because I had so much anxiety in my thoughts. Like, those were the things that I missed out on. Um, But in God's goodness, um, he did not leave me there. This was only the beginning. And, And it started with him revealing these things, right? Like, we can't, we can't heal what we don't know isn't there. So, it started with him revealing these things, but and I wish I could say, you know, he did it <laughs> in a snap, but um, the transformational process is not that easy. Um, but there was two main ways that he really began to bring me on this journey. One of them was through that very community. Um, there was there was a girl in particular um, who's a friend of mine now, and I would sit there and compare myself to her because I had huge body image issues also. Um, that was just one of the many things that I dealt with that were flooding my mind. Um, but I would sit there and compare myself to her like constantly, like, oh, she's prettier than I am. Oh, she's got, she's got great legs, right? Because that's like my issue. And, um, and one, one Sunday night, she got up, and she shared her testimony and she's sitting here, she's sitting here sharing with everyone that she struggled with bulimia. And I about fell over. I just was in complete shock that this beautiful woman whom I'm sitting here so jealous of was battling this. I had no clue. 
So our very first conversation that we ever had was me going up to her and asking for her forgiveness. And she's like, I'm sorry, who are you? (laughs) You know, like, why are you asking me for forgiveness? That makes no sense. But I explained to her what I had been doing and come to find out she had been doing the exact same thing about me. And I'm just like, isn't that like the enemy to try to isolate by feeding us lies, to keep us apart? But the second that she stepped out of vulnerability, that we were able to come together and form this amazing relationship and friendship that brought so much healing. Um, And that was just one of the, that was just one of the stories. Um, There was another, there was another um, friend that we had just met on the Sunday and and she knew that she she knew that I was new and asked um, if I wanted to come and hang out with some of her friends, you know, that Friday night or something. And I was like, sure, that's great. As the as, so this was Sunday, as the week was progressing, I found myself more and more anxious. And you might laugh at this, but that was the first time out of this whole time in my life that I realized that I had anxiety. <laughs> It was, yeah, I I can't explain it, but that was the first time that I was feeling that churning in my stomach and feeling anxious and not knowing what was going on. And so I sat down with my husband and I was like, I don't know what's going on, but I'm freaking out. I don't want to go. And so he sits down, he starts talking to me, kind of like trying to process this out and come to find out that Back in sixth grade, I mean, we're going back to when I was, what, 11 years old, there was a very traumatic event that happened at my birthday party that left me with the belief that who I was wasn't good enough. And because of that, I needed to become whomever I was around in order to be accepted. Like the the social chameleon, as Josh put it, you know, it, I put on a different mask who, whatever group I was around, just so I could be wanted, just so I could fit in, so I could belong. And I realized that I'm going, I'm going to go hang out with these, these new, this new group of girls, and I have no idea how to be myself. I have no idea who I am, because for the last 12 years, I had been suppressing myself and hiding myself and becoming someone different the entire time, which meant that I got buried. I didn't even know what my favorite color was. Like, that's how ridiculous it was. And so I really wanted to not go, but my husband was like, you're going to go and you're going to practice being yourself. And so I kid you not, I'm sitting there in Applebee's because that was the only thing that we had in Reading. Um, Woo! We got an OtterBox. We're good, people. Oh, yes. <laughs> I got kids. Praise Believe the me. Lord. I know Ooh, the drill. Oh, <laughs> man. Okay. Ooh. Anyways, um, I'm sitting in Applebee's, and we're sitting around the table. And Can I we get some napkins, though, seriously? Yeah, seriously. That'd be great. <laughs> not trying to break the vibe um, but. I kid you not. I'm sitting there. And all that's going through my head is practice being yourself, practice being yourself, practice being yourself. I'm sorry, that's not very relaxing, right? Like, you're supposed to be out having, like, having a good time with some new people, getting to know them. And that was just what I had to keep telling myself. I had to keep practicing 
what it meant to be me, even though I had no idea who that was. And so all that to say, there were two, there's two main areas that the Lord really used to help me work through this process. Thanks, Bethany. Bethany Cantrell. Oh, yeah. There it is. Keep going, Sarah. All right. So um, one of them being practicing something new, right? Doing, doing the hard things. I could have easily have just shut down, which my personality is the kind of just shut down and just withdraw and, and, and that's it. Um, and there were moments where I did that, but I didn't stay there. Um, I kept putting myself in the hard place. I kept putting myself in community. I kept practicing having friends as awkward as it was. Um, some of my, some of my best friends are from that time that I met, um, that stuck with me through the awkwardness that, that saw me go through that that transition of not knowing who I was and me being so awkward. I was so awkward, you guys. Um, and they, like, they stuck with me. And there's some, of, there's some of our best friends. And, like, they were just here. They're missionaries now, but they were just here a couple weeks ago. Um, and we have, we have the closest relationship with them because we went through this process together, Right. Um, so, so sticking it out and living in the present moment and doing the hard things. And as I was doing that, the Lord would bring up past things. Um, like I talked about my birthday party that I had to work through. There was a group of girls that I wanted so much to fit in with that just completely rejected me. And, and there was even bullying, which I like what Dr. Mayfield said, called it abuse, which is what it is, you know? But I had to sit there and I had to forgive each person that wounded me. And I had to forgive very specific things, just the very specific incidences of the things that they said and the things that they did that, that wounded me, um, I had to forgive my brother, you know, he's five years older than me and he was really cool. Um, and I clearly wasn't. And, you know, it was just being, just being an older brother. Um, but there was just a lot of things that he would say that, that just fed the lies that I already were, were already harboring, you know? I mean, I knew he loved me, but it didn't make the lies not they still penetrated and they still hurt. And so having to work through forgiveness with him. And, and what's so interesting is the Lord using the very ways that I was wounded through my brother, through friends. He used those same means to bring healing. He brought brothers in Christ that came around me that showed me what it meant to have a brother and what brothers are supposed to be like. And friends and what friends are supposed to be like, you know, he healed me through those same means. But it was doing a lot of the back work, a lot of forgiveness, um, facing a lot of the, the trauma back then, and then practicing stepping forward and practicing 
learning what it meant to be me as, as things were going forward and as I was starting to be uncovered and, and learning how to be okay with that. Because every time the Lord would reveal something new, I would kind of panic thinking, am I going to be rejected? Because I was back then. So having to press forward through that process to, to believe him and to trust him. So that's kind of, that's kind of a good... It's so good. Well, the, the cool thing and the beautiful thing about your story and the beautiful thing about the gospel at large is that w- when we talk about these things, we're not talking about self-actualization, right? right? I just no. got to, I got to, I got to buckle up and I got to, I got to find the best me that's in there. And that means like discarding the lies that people have said about me and all this so that I can flourish. Yeah. Like human flourishing is the end all. But the gospel, you know, tells us that we were created in belovedness. Psalm 139, right? We were knit together in our mother's womb, hardwired by a creator. And the dissonance there is that our ongoing fall, right? We're born with a fallen nature. But I think there's an ongoing fall that happens when we throughout our lives buy the lies that, uh, that speak against that belovedness, right? In order for us to be loved or accepted, we have to be dot, 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 Mm -hmm. or we have to do dot, dot, dot. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, in that realm of thinking, I think that one of the primary shapes of our sanctification is returning to the belief that, no, we are beloved. Wait a minute. When we look back at the cross of Calvary, what does that say? That says that God himself took, not, didn't just take on flesh, right. right? We're celebrating Advent here, observing Advent. Not just that there was a rival, but that there was death and suffering and an absolute emptying of himself to demonstrate tangibly and quantifiably that we're loved, yeah. you know? And so I think, I think the things, too, that you're talking about here, the, the greater themes of comparison yeah. and envy and uh, the facade of greener pastures, I think oh we all, as young adults and all of the young adults who have gone before us since the history of time, right? The beginning of time. I think we all can relate to these issues. And so, um, this, it's just, there's, it's a beautiful look under the hood at the way that God has walked you through this transformational journey. But I want to hone in on one thing that you touched on at the beginning. Uh, you talked about coping and this issue of coping. And I think coping is um, really the antithesis to trusting God. Absolutely. And coping is the antithesis, in, an antithesis, I should say, to the transformational yes, process absolutely. that uh, the Lord engages uh, in our lives. So talk to us a little bit about that. How, what role does coping play as the enemy of transformation yeah. in, into the oh, image gosh. of Christ? I think, um, I think one of the most basic um, fundamental ways that we grow as Christians is learning how to trust God more because we can all trust him more, right? We, none of us trust him fully. And I don't think we ever will until, until we're fully with him. Um, and because of, because there's always a level of mistrust within us, um, we have this resistance to, Believing that he has the best intentions for us, um, believing that what he actually wants to do in us is bring us freedom, that the pain isn't going to kill us um, because we, because we want to survive, right? We want to be comfortable. 
We hate pain, so we do whatever we can to make it go away. <laughs> I mean, that's just our, that's our physical body reaction, right? You, you get cut, you fix it, you make the pain go away. Um, so that's just our natural instinct. So it's almost having to fight our natural instinct to make the pain stop because that becomes our primary goal, not healing. And I think one of the, one of the best analogies that I've ever heard is, you know, having this gaping wound on, say, on your leg, right? And the doctor wants to come and come and heal it. And you're like, no, that's going to hurt because it is going to hurt. It's going to be excruciatingly painful. If any of you have gone through anything like that, you know, went through surgery or, or any kind of wound, broken a bone or whatever, you know that that initial... Um, that initial diagnosis, the initial healing process is probably the most painful other than when you were first injured. And we don't want to do that. But the problem is if we don't let that wound be healed by our great physician, then it's only going to get infected and it's only going to turn into gangrene and it's going to make you start losing limbs, right? Like, it's going to eventually kill you um, because that's, we weren't meant to live with this big gaping wound. And so learning how to trust, learning how to trust the Lord, um, and this is why it's so important to do this in community because sometimes we need to be that friend on the mat who's being carried and lowered to Jesus because we can't get there on our own, Right. Um, and that's, that's a legit thing. I've been there so many times. Um, but to not, to, to, to cope is to hide, right? Is to hide that wound from God coming and healing it. So it's, but we all do it, yeah. right? Resistance. Yes, yeah. we all do it. Yeah. I, I think the insidious thing about coping, the more we're talking about it, is that coping uh, can live and dwell so under the surface of our lives in a way that goes totally unseen. Coping uh, can manifest as binge watching a Netflix yes. show, right? Man in the High Castle, none of us Parks have and never Rec, been you name it. Uh, it can manifest as like <laughs> listening to a particular kind of music when yes. we're in a particular kind of mood to spark up these kind of feelings never and buffer ourselves either. from pain. You know? Am I getting too real? <laughs> Um, it can manifest as eating, yeah. like eating a certain kind of food or eating yep. too much. So these, and these things we can so celebrate yes. and, and soak up as like, no, these are like blessings, right? And they're good parts <laughs> of our lives. But if we're not careful, they can actually yeah. lend themselves to a coping mechanism yes. that buffers ourselves off from the, at times, painful mm-hmm. transformational and painful wooing of God in our lives. Because at the end of the day, coping and, and the, these things that we go and cope in can be false fathers. Absolutely. They can be things that promise oh satisfaction and yep. promise uh, good feelings mm-hmm. and, and, and A, B, C, and D. But then they turn on us and they flip mm-hmm. the script. And then we engage in them and find ourselves more broken than when yeah, we first started. Absolutely. You know, like the prodigal, we run off out of the father's home and engage in all of this sort of yeah. stuff. And then there's just a divide in our soul mm-hmm. between who we were created to be and the identity we were created yep. to have and what we're finding ourselves living in. You or know? the older brother 
Let's just talk about the older brother. Yeah. I identify, how, you guys know the prodigal son story. If you haven't, go read it, Luke 15, right? Um, I'm sure a lot of us have heard of the prodigal son. I don't identify with the prodigal son. Yeah, I smoked a lot of weed, but I still wanted my parents' approval. <laughs> I made sure that they didn't know anything that I was doing. We laugh and joke about it now, but I made sure that they didn't know anything that was going on because I didn't want their disapproval. I identify with the older brother who stayed with the father, who did everything right, who did everything by the book to try to earn his father's approval. That's where I identify with, but that's just as much brokenness and just as much of an idol is is going and numbing, right? Is this, I can control what, you know, the father thinks of me, or I can control, or I can earn my way to dot, dot, dot. And that's just as bad and sometimes harder, I think, to come out of because pride, oh my gosh, pride is one of the hardest things to um, be broken of um, and to have your eyes open to, but it's, it's a painful, very, very painful process, yeah. but yeah. yeah. So with all this in mind, just with the last couple minutes that we have, and then we'll kick it to the tables to kind of process all this. Um, what's the biggest takeaway then, uh, when you look back at your story and as we're talking about coping and as we're talking about all, all of this stuff, the gamut, mm-hmm. uh, of your particular situation, what would you encourage us with? What's one thing, uh, you would highlight and kind of shine the spotlight to us? I think the biggest the biggest encouragement that I would give to all of us, um, first, this is not going to sound like an encouragement, but let it be a validation um, that the Lord does not want to keep you the same. He loves you too much to allow you to stay where you are. Unfortunately, the transformational process is oftentimes excruciatingly painful. And, and I know that's not super encouraging, but let it be validating that it's hard is all get out. Um, it's you face the darkest parts of yourself. Um, and, and it's so fearful to do that because you don't know what you're going to find. You don't know if you're going to come back. You don't, there's so many unknowns. And I think we have a fear of fear even that we don't want to go there. Um, but that's going to be my biggest encouragement to you is is to do it. Don't do it alone, but allow the Holy Spirit to transform you. Face the process, whether it's going through your past and facing a lot of the wounds that, that were, were inflicted upon you, decisions you made, whatever it is. Allow the Holy Spirit to begin. I mean, you don't have to go searching for it because um, that could be very overwhelming. But the Holy Spirit is very faithful to just bring these things up as you're ready, even though you may not feel ready, but as you are ready to begin facing them and healing and going through that process. And then practicing in the moment um, the new creation that you are. That's why we're told again and again to renew your mind, renew your spirit, because... We have to practice a new way of living. Um, but to do it, you know, we, we moved here two and a half years ago. And I moved to a place where I knew no one and no one knew me. It was completely brand new. 
And here I am, I come to a new church, um, you know, meeting new people. And I can honestly tell you that the fruit from, you know, from the last 15, 20 years of my life, I'm tasting it now. Because I can sit here and I have no anxiety over, over gaining your approval even, right? Or gaining the approval of, of people that I sit around, of my peers, or there's so much freedom. Like, I know who I am, and I'm okay. Like, I'm okay if people reject me. It still sucks, right? It's not fun, but it's not crippling me like it used to. Um, there's, I, I will never be completely free of it, I don't think, until, until I'm with the Lord. But the fruit of it tastes so good now and the freedom of knowing more of who I am now in, in the image of God than I used to is so worth it. It is so, so worth it. So that would be my encouragement to all of us is to, is to do it, to, to not run from it, to not numb it, to not try to control it, um, but to do it, to do, to do the hard work with the Holy Spirit. Can we show some love to Sarah for opening up and being vulnerable? Thank you. This is no easy thing. Sitting up here, sharing with us a part of who you are. It's a big deal. Um, Well, right before we dismiss the tables, you guys, um, the question I think, uh, you know, we should be mulling over this week is where is there resistance in our lives to the transformative work of the Holy Spirit? Uh, are there areas of our lives where we're numbing? Are there areas where we're coping? Are, is there areas where we're buffering ourselves from the Lord's work in our lives? And what's the response? Is it severing an unhealthy relationship? Is it actually buckling down and getting help uh, on a habitual sin that's plagued our lives for over a decade? Uh, is it um, bringing people closer in on the process of our lives? Like you, you community, how that played such an integral role in your spiritual development yeah. and transformation process, and it's an ongoing journey, but where is their resistance? Uh, you know, if I would challenge us with one thing this week, it's just to, to process that question with the Lord and pray the prayer of the psalmist, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me if there's any anxieties uh, and lead me in the way everlasting. So uh, we're going to put some questions up on the screen for us. Let's discuss, let's uh, share with one another, and then we'll pick this thing up here in just a few minutes. All right, much love. Thanks again, Sarah, and enjoy your discussions, young adults. Okay. Um, Sorry to cut discussion short, but we're going to wrap here. So let's go ahead and stand and uh, we'll pray this thing out. And Sarah is waving donuts in my face, which means that we have donuts to be taken, ripe for the taking. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that we can gather together uh, as brothers and sisters, and we thank you that you are at work in each of our stories. And I pray that uh, whatever points of resonance that this morning had for each of us specifically and individually, we ask that over the course of this next week, you would lead us on a journey to give some time and space and prayer to processing those things with you. And if there's any areas of resistance or independence, or even spiritual problems, 
pride that's at work in our lives, would you rid us of that? Would you purge those things and uh, lead us into deeper waters of kingdom life this week, we ask. And as we continue to look ahead to Advent, uh, we pray that you would posture our hearts and that we would prepare you room, Lord Jesus. That we would look behind at your first coming and what you've done on the cross and what you did through your uh, arrival here on earth and also look ahead to your second coming. That there will be a day very soon where you will bring the kingdom into full culmination and that you will inaugurate a new heavens and a new earth. And we look ahead to that and we say together, Jesus, come quickly. Speed your coming. Uh, Would you come in haste and uh, bring us into new heavens and new creation life? We pray all these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the people of God said, amen. Amen, you guys.